The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Welcome to the show. Right now, we all know that we have too much stress in our lives, right? I think we also know by now that all of the stress is hurting us in a really big way. What most of us don't know, however, is how to deal with the stress and how to actually prevent all the stress in the first place. My guest today is Dr. Arthur C.R. McCauley. Arthur has written a number of books, all with titles that say to me, wow, I would love to read that. His most recent book is called The Stress Solution, How Using Empathy and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Decreases Anxiety and Increases Resilience. I personally am super excited to delve into this topic. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Sierra McCauley. He is a licensed clinical psychologist who's been treating clients for more than 35 years. He's been on the faculty of Harvard Medical School, lecturer for the American Cancer Society, and director of the Metro West Counseling Center. He's appeared on CNN, Fox News, Good Morning America, and just about every other place, and we're so lucky to have him with us today. Arthur, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I am doing amazingly well. I had a really good night's sleep last night, and I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> Sleep's one of those important categories, isn't it? That it we often sure is. Oh, my goodness. So, Arthur, I start every guest with my Lisa's five Ask Every Guest questions. So, mm-hmm. let's get going. First, what did you have for breakfast today? Um, I had natural peanut butter on a piece of whole wheat, and then I had a Greek yogurt with coffee and several supplements after my spinning class. <laughs> and what I was just going to ask, what is your favorite form of exercise? Uh, spinning. I do at least six spinning classes a week, and I also do three weight resistance workouts a week. That's my normal regimen. Wow, six. You don't get tired of it? No, I, I love it. Actually, I, I, I used to go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning, but that's just too early for me to cl- do classes with our daughters. So now I have uh, the bike that has the computer on it, so you can do live classes at home in my basement. Oh, the Peloton? Yeah, the Peloton, and I absolutely <laughs> love the Peloton. Oh, good to know. I'll have to ask you more about that after the show. What is a habit you're trying to break or add right now? What is a habit I'm trying to break? Um, probably not be as concerned about what's happening internationally. Um, I, I worry on a daily basis about Aleppo and Mosul and what's happening in the world and certainly what's happening with our government right now. So um, it's not doesn't make me overly anxious, but... I'm concerned. I'm concerned about all the people that are suffering in the world and, 
you know, I pray every night on my knees, Lisa, for world peace, and I really hope that we can be more empathic and compassionate to those that seem different than us on the surface, and that we can see beyond the surface and into the heart and souls of other people to see that we're we're all basically more alike as human beings than we are different. Thank you for saying that. And I do, when we get into the stress, I do want to talk about how all this is impacting us from a stress perspective, but I couldn't agree with you more on that. Mm-hmm. Arthur, how do you spend the first hour of your day? Um, the, the, well, I get up at 6 o'clock and uh, I, I, go, I do the spinning class, as I said, first thing in the morning. Then I do some stretching and then I come up and have breakfast. I read every morning. Uh, I, I read uh, different news um, stations, and I don't usually watch TV, sometimes a little bit, but I, I prefer to read. Um, and then I'll read something spiritual, something, uh, I always have a number of books that I start at the same time, usually four <laughs> or five. Uh, <laughs> Me I too. read pieces of each. Um, and then I come up and check my email and see if I need to return any calls before I start the morning with my first client. Great. And who is someone in your life that inspires you? Uh, we have one granddaughter. Her name is Carmela, and I'm absolutely in love with her. And and I dedicated the stress solution to her because I said when she, when Carmela is in your presence, it's impossible to be stressed. It just is absolutely impossible. She's just oh. a wonderful. She's two and a half, and it's just such an exciting time. And I just love being with her. She's the highlight of my week every week. Mm. That brought a big smile to my face. So, Arthur, let's hear about the work that you do. Explain, you know, what is it that you're helping people with? Well, you know, I decided to write this book on stress, Lisa, because our stress rates have increased so much in our country. You know, 75% of Americans say that they suffer from stress physically or emotionally every day, and 50% say that they can't sleep at night during this, due to stress, that they wake up every night due to stress. And 75% of visits to primary care physicians last year were due to stress. So obviously I, I decided to write this book because of that. And so many of my friends also are telling me that they feel stressed. So I decided to combine the power of empathy, brain science, and cognitive behavioral therapy to, provide a, to try to provide a comprehensive self-help tool that lessens stress and balance. And why empathy? Because empathy calms the emotional brain so we can perceive accurately and thoughtfully. And being able to perceive accurately, I believe, is crucial to reducing stress because old bias thinking based on early conditioning distorts reality and causes unnecessary tension. And when we're able to communicate with empathy using the thinking part of the brain rather than reacting quickly emotionally, we actually produce the, you know, we produce the uh, near miracle neurotransmitter oxytocin which is the opposite of what happens when we're stressed and produce the stress hormone cortisol. And I call oxytocin a near-miracle neurotransmitter because it reduces anxiety and cortisol levels. It helps us live longer. It aids in recovery from illness. It promotes a sense of calm and well-being. It increases generosity, protects against heart disease. According to recent research, it reduces inflammation. Very importantly, it reduces craving for addictive substances. And it creates a bonding and an increase in trust in other people. So it decreases fear and it, and it puts us in a position to feel secure and open for love, open to connect. So it's absolutely fascinating that to me that the giving and receiving of empathy produces a brain change that actually makes us feel secure and contributes to overall health. Whereas when we produce stress, we produce cortisol. 
And what I'm trying to accent in this book is the way we perceive is the key to reducing stress. You know, we all uh. learn inaccuracies about other people and ourselves early in life, and we have to unlearn them. I believe our responsibility as adults is to unlearn them. But when we misperceive, we cause a stress reaction. It's just like, you know, I look at you and you're frowning, and I think you're angry with me, and then I find out later you suffer from migraines. So I try to teach right. people, you know, to, let's, to not... Let's back up a little bit here because we're, you're giving us tremendous amount of information and I, I don't know where our listeners are at in this knowledge base. So let's just back up a little bit and explain what is cognitive behavioral therapy because some people may not be aware of what that is. Sure. Cog- cognitive behavioral therapy, Lisa, focuses on the distorted ways that we perceive. For instance, if we learned early in life to use generalizing or black and white thinking, or catastrophizing, or mind reading, magnifying, projecting. The ways that we learn early in life to perceive that are not accurate, they're not truthful. And empathy is focused on slowing down our reactions enough to see the truth and unlearn some of the biases that we grew up with so that we can see the truth in others and in ourselves. So now, when I hear the word empathy, you know, I feel like it means having, you know, compassion for someone else as if I was in their shoes. But I think you have a a little bit different, you know, um, way of describing empathy. Is that true? Yes, because empathy could lead to compassion, but really it's an objective tool. It's the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another person. And uh, empathy has a positive and a negative side. I mean, you you know, good salesmen use empathy. Uh, sometimes psychopaths, of course, can use empathy. People can use empathy to manipulate because what it does is it slows us down enough to assess who we're interacting with. And it's a very important tool in business as it is in personal life because it allows us to be, see beyond the surface into the heart and soul of another person. So it's not compassion, but it can lead to compassion. I see. So are we born with the skills to be empathic? Yes, we're, we're born with the ability to be empathic, but we have to practice empathy just like we, we, we use our muscles and we expand them and we develop them. But if you're not taught to practice empathy or if you didn't receive empathy as a youngster, uh, uh, empathy atrophies just like an unused muscle. Now, I mean, I've read some studies that when they've given people um, who've been convicted of crime certain drugs that actually can increase their empathy, and then they have, which leads to more compassion, and they end up really not committing as many crimes. Is that something that you are aware of? Yes, there are certain drugs that change our brain chemistry, and they obviously do produce more empathy, but what we have to do, I mean, because most of us are not going to be taking drugs to elicit that response, is we have to learn how to cultivate empathy. Because when we cultivate empathy, we learn not to be quick reactors. And we learn how to make this brain change that makes us feel connected to others, but also allows us to see the truth in other people. So in, like in love relationships, Lisa, it helps us to know who to get close to and who to remain distant from, rather than just reacting quickly from an emotional place, it slows us down to really assess who, the, who is this other person that we need to decide whether we want to go on relating to or not. So how do we go about cultivating it? Is it just more we do it, the better we get at it? Well, one thing is we have to unlearn some of our past behavior and some of our past conditioning because that interferes with seeing 
the truth in ourselves and others. I mean, that's why I have a chapter in the book on self-voice, because, you know, it's not only that we learn to perceive others inaccurately, we learn, to, we learn things about ourselves that are inaccurate. But I like to teach people that, you know, early in life we create a novel. It's a fictitious story about ourselves that we write based on what we think is being reflected back to us from people around us, as if we're looking at ourselves in a mirror. But if the mirrors you're looking into are cracked or inaccurate, you get a distorted view of yourself as if you're looking in a circus mirror. And as a result, you create an accurate story about yourself, and that story sets the stage for a rational belief system. And we can't change that story alone. We're all too subjective. We need a a group of people in our lives who will give us honest feedback, honest, tactful feedback. And, And we need to do that for them, too, so that we can obtain an accurate view of who we are today, a more objective account from the one we came to believe earlier in life. And that's what empathy can do. When we give and receive empathy, we're getting feedback about ourselves and giving feedback to other people so that we can rewrite that novel we, we wrote early in life and make it a nonfiction account of who we are. I love that. So we're basically spending all of our time unwriting the stories that we have in our head and unlearning all of our patterns so that we can be happy and unstressed. Yes, yeah. I mean, when I say we, we need to learn from the past, Lisa, it's, I'm not a, a, favor of be, a, a fan of belaboring the past, but we need to understand our past so that our theories and old patterns don't interfere with understanding and perceiving. You know, if you're unaware of your own biases from the past, your ability to perceive accurately is going to be compromised. You know, for instance, if you have a fear of anger because your father had a short temper, then you're, then you're overly sensitive to people you encounter who are passionate, but they're not angry, but they tend to, you know, they're emphatic. They raise their voice a bit because they're excited, and you automatically think they're angry. They so, trigger us. Uh, I'm sorry? I said they trigger us. Yes, they trigger us, yeah. That emotional yeah. pain that we had from the past makes us jump to quick conclusions. Right. So I think, again, surrounding ourselves with the right people and understanding our own triggers is just critical in this process, I would imagine, to unlearn our stories. Yes. Yes. Well, we only have about a minute before the break, but when we come back, I'd really like to learn about empathic CBT and just what's going on with the stress rates in our country. So stay tuned. Um, I'm speaking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. We're talking about stress, what we can do about it, how can we feel calm and peaceful, and we'll be back shortly. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. 
For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to busy stressed and food obsessed to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792 again that's 1-866-472-5792 feel like sending an email instead send it to lisa at healthy happy and hip.com now back to busy stressed and food obsessed here again is lisa lutan welcome back to the show I'm here speaking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, and we're talking about stress and what it can do to you and how you can actually learn tools to make your life less stressful. So, Arthur, can you explain what empathic CBT is? Well, it's, co- it's combining, Lisa, empathy, as we dis- uh, discussed earlier, with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really focused on distorted thinking, to actually make brain changes that produce neurochemicals that allow us to connect and see each other accurately. So empathy really is everyday mind reading. It allows us to objectively discern the truth, and the key to empathy is really slowing down, really slowing down so that we can understand and respond to, other, to what we see in a truthful way, not from old bias thinking. And cognitive behavioral therapy means we have to learn some of the old bias ways we tend to perceive, like generalizing black and white thinking, some of the ways we talked earlier. And when we do that, we make a positive brain change that allows us to feel more connected and more trusting of others and they of us. 
So one thing I'm having a little trouble making the leap with, say somebody's super stressed because of, you know, they're taking care of kids, they're working, they're taking care of parents, you know, they're busy, busy, busy. How does this work that you're doing ease the stress for someone like that? Well, for instance, one of my clients this morning was telling me, uh, you know, a story about how busy she is and how raising three kids. She's a single mom. But one of the ways that she was perceiving is starting to feel very victimized and talking about herself as, you know, that, that she was unique in this experience and that other people don't experience this amount of stress. And we had to have a discussion about that. That's an old way of her perceiving is feeling very victimized. And then she becomes very passive and depressed. So rather than being very victimized, we talked about her connecting to her sisters and asking for help. She tends to be very prideful and doesn't do that. We talked about uh, changing her diet somewhat because she's a, a, a sugar junkie and that's not making her feel very good. She's given up the gym and exercising and that's another thing that could help her very well. And she's not really confiding or opening up to her friends in the area. And that's another thing that would really make a difference. So once she started to misperceive and, and see herself as a victim, she started to lose touch of the changes she could make to cope more effectively. That doesn't mean that raising three kids by herself is going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And she works part-time as well. So if she's in a stressful situation, there's no, there's no question about that. But perceiving herself as helpless was a detriment that was even making it worse because as she eats poorly, and as you know, you're an expert in that area, as she gave up exercising, as she lost contact with her friends, she's alone and she is feeling more and more helpless. So starting to connect with those people that can give her support and give her helpful feedback, maybe even take one of the kids at times, and also getting her back into some of the classes she was taking at a local gym and starting to eat better instead of relying on simple sugars. These are all ways that once she moves away from that victim position, she can help deal with stress more effectively. I love that. I totally love that because you're right. When we get stressed, we feel trapped and we feel stuck. And so what I'm hearing is, I think, moving out of that mindset, we move from that stuck feeling to action where we can actually remedy some of our stress. Yes, it's, it's moving to a position where we, we see the truth. The truth is raising three kids, single parent, very difficult. Working part-time, very difficult. But giving up the gym, giving up eating in a healthy way, not sleeping as much, staying up late at night, not reaching out to friends, those are all things that were in her control. And as you're saying, you know, Lisa, we, we live according to our mood. So if we net, let our mood get real low, what happens? We secrete more and more cortisol and we have more and more negative effects. Yeah, it all comes down to the same thing. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down and really assess what the priorities are. And let, let's talk about that a little bit, about food and exercise. And, you know, they they really do impact our stress, but in so many ways more than I think most people are aware, just the foods we're eating and how they affect our mood. And I know you talk about that in your book. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I have a chapter on, on, uh, on self-care because I know how, and you know how very important it is to us, and I really focus on resistance to doing the things we know we should do. And one of the things that I think is, is really not talked about very much is that 
In terms of weight gain, which so many people struggle with, as you know, when you have cortisol in your system, when you have the stress hormone cortisol in your system, you throw off blood sugar levels. What does that do? It increases the size of fat cells and it creates a desire for sugary substances. So stress is very related to weight gain. And we have to learn ways to perceive more accurately and leave, leave some of our past conditioning, our past bias conditioning about ourselves and others behind so that we can calm ourselves, reduce cortisol levels, and, and so that we can manage our weight and our mood more effectively. Are you a big fan of meditation? Yes. I mean, meditation is very helpful. I particularly like mindful meditation because li- living and eating mindfully makes a big difference. I mean, you know how, how quickly we eat and how quickly you know, we want to be served, and we're used to fast food. And uh, interesting, a, a, a recent study in Italy where the American kids sort of eat. There's American restaurants in one section of Rome, and America, Rome kids, uh, kids in Italy actually have lower rates of uh, childhood obesity and diabetes. But the kids in Rome start to eat at Wendy's and Burger King and McDonald's in that section, uh, that American section, they call it, of Rome, because they, they want to be like us. They want to be Americans. What, what happened to the kids in that study is that the kids that eat in that area had the same rates of diabetes and childhood obesity as American kids, even though the nation as a whole doesn't. So our food, the way we eat, is, is really is a formula for stress and anxiety. Saturated fat. Uh, salty foods, simple sugars, and we eat at such a rate. We eat so fast that I, it's hard to even digest what you're putting in your mouth. I mean, this rush to eat. Uh, one of my one of my clients is a CEO here, and he went to Europe for uh, three weeks in the summer, and he came back. He was in Spain, Greece, and Italy. And I said, wow, how did it go? And he said, wow. Those people are so happy. I can't believe how happy they are, but they're so inefficient. You know, they take too long to eat, and they and they take naps in the afternoon. And I, I can their stock, the stock market would go up in those countries if they would only be more productive. And I said, you're seeing me because you're unhappy and stressed, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, and you just came from three countries where you're saying they're so relaxed and happy, but you want to them, you want them to improve their performance. And, you know, that's part of the way that we're oriented now. We value achievement, appearance, and status so much, and we're so less focused on self-care, character, and relationships, and I think integrity, that we've kind of lost our way in America. Which was a perfect lead-in to my next question. What is performance addiction? Well, performance addiction, Lisa, is a term I, I coined a while ago because I wrote a book on it, but there's a chapter on it in this book. It's, it's the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will secure love and respect. It's an irrational belief system that's learned from early family experiences, and it's reinforced by our material, appearance-driven society. You know, my first recognition of performance addicts came about largely as a result of my work with a group of people who embodied so many of the qualities that are highly regarded in professional and public life. You know, their resumes were very impressive, but I noticed despite their capabilities, they seemed to have little regard for their personal achievements or their own physical appearance. They all seem to be what I call scoreboard watchers. Every day, they take inventory of how well or how terribly they're performing or how attractive, how dreadful they look in the mirror, and they don't realize that they have such an emphasis on achievement and appearance and status 
And they think that, unconsciously, that's what's going to bring them love, not really knowing that the way you relate, how much empathy and compassion you have, and your character, and your level of integrity is really what brings lasting intimacy into people's lives. And they've come to believe that performance is really the cure-all, the cure-all for what they suffered early in life and how they can do it, and it really is a mythical theory. I'm fascinated by this topic. I, so many people I know suffer from this, and so many people that are in the business world, you know, that I relate with suffer from yes. this. So yes. what would be the first step to become a reformed performance addict? Well, to realize that, that the, the trusting foundation that empathy creates, it, it changes our brain chemistry, and it calms our soul, and it puts us in a position to listen. And then we can open up and, and, and take in what we need to hear in order to rewrite our story, correct our distorted thinking, and really learn what it takes to actually sustain love. What it takes to sustain love is, is to be able to listen, to engage, to see beyond the surface. You know, so many performance addicts suffer from what I call image love. I mean, they fall in love with images of people. And then over time, you know, they base their own lovability on their daily performance, and unfortunately they expect the same of their partner and their children. They're they're always comparing and contrasting themselves and their partners to others. They find it easy to fall in love, you know, that binding and blinding effect of early sex, but then it it wears off over time. And, And they don't really form deep relationships with anybody, although they long to. They long to be connected, and they have to unlearn some of these ideas about achievement and status. Look, I'm all, I'm all for achieving, and, and I know, you, you know you've achieved a great deal in your life as well, so we, it's not that we don't want to achieve, but how do you do it in a balanced way? And if you come to believe that achievement and appearance is the only thing that's going to allow you to be loved, you're really going to be creating a program for low mood, depression, and anxiety for the rest of your life. So fascinating. I mean, one of the things I've been working on a great deal with my groups and my workshops is connection, how we are desperately seeking a deeper connection with people, not just our spouses or our kids, but with people in our communities, with our friends, with everything. And so I never really realized that this is the anecdote to this performance addiction. Yes, yes. I mean, performance addicts, as I said, they, they, don't have a, they don't have a dimmer switch, and they're looking at a scoreboard all day long to see how well they do because they're so afraid that if they don't well, do well and they don't perfect themselves or their way of talking or performing, that they're going to lose the love and respect of other people. They, they try to perfect their way into happiness, which is impossible. And when they learn that we're all imperfect, that we all, that we all make mistakes, when we make a mistake, we're not a mistake. You know, performance addicts think if they make a mistake, they are a mistake. They over-evaluate it. They see it in such severe ways rather than just seeing it's human. I mean, we all want to perform well, but no one performs flawlessly all the time. People of the greatest talents don't perform flawlessly all the time. And, and most of these people are people that didn't get the degree of empathy and compassion and love for who they are when they were children, when they were young adults. They were, they were more applauded for when they, when they achieved well or when they brought home A's or when they scored the touchdown or got the leading role in a play. Then they finally got their parents' interests. So they, they start to believe that that's the way to gain love in life. You have to be achieving all the time. And what is image love? Well, image love is really falling in love with the image of a person without really knowing them. 
I'll give you a good example, Lisa. I, I, I did a consultation with a couple not long ago who moved to Massachusetts from California. And he was a CEO there, and, and, um, and she was uh, an intern and, and, and is about 12 years younger than him, and they married. Long story short, he lost his job. His company was merged with another, and they did not keep him. So he came to Massachusetts to work for a small startup, and that company, after eight months, uh, it had already been in existence, but after eight months, they lost their investor money, and he lost his job. So they come in, and they're talking to me, and she's... And, uh, he says, I don't think she loves me anymore. And, and she looked at me and she said, you know, when I met my husband, he was giving talks in front of 2,000, 3,000 people. He had a three-piece suit. He was so handsome and so articulate. Now I come home and he's on the Internet looking for jobs in his sweatpants. And I, I, just, I just don't feel the love. That's what image love is. Did she actually know who he, who he is or who he, you know, what he was all about or what his character was? No, she, she saw a man in a three-piece suit who spoke well, who had a lot of power, status, and influence. Mm. So, she, so she thought she loved him, but that's what I call image love. It's not based on really knowing the other person. I see. So interesting. And even for ourselves, like I remember when I had my third child and I was really thinking about taking a break from, I worked in tech at the time and I was so afraid, you know, what am I going to answer at the cocktail party? If somebody says, what do you do? What do you do? And I was terrified. And I I worked for so many years longer than I probably should have because of that reason. And then when I finally did take a break, you know, my husband said to me, so what do you answer when you're at a cocktail party? And I said, Nobody even asks. Right. And, yeah. and that was a really big learning experience for me. It was all about me and my fear. Nobody else really cared a little yeah. bit at all. Yeah. Yes. And, and don't we create those stories in our own minds of what we imagine people think? I mean, that's a not another part of cognitive behavioral therapy, the imaginings, the distortions we have in our own mind. And look, what could be more important than raising three children? I mean, what, what, possibly, what possibly could you do in life yeah, that nothing. would have a greater impact? <laughs> right. Nothing. But, you know, we live in this world, especially, you know, I work with mostly women and this whole need to be super women and we have to be perfect at everything, our jobs as wives, as mothers, we have to look perfect. And I think that it's really stressful. I think it's a really so much pressure on women more than ever. And I think that what you're saying is I'm going to start implementing this in my programs, just how this is the anecdote. But we're going to be taking a break right now. I am speaking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how this political environment is impacting us and our stress levels. Stay tuned. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, 
Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm talking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. We're talking about stress. Arthur, let's talk about what's going on in our country right now. I mean, everybody is just terrified. There's a lot of uncertainty. What is this doing in terms of the stress on us, and how do we deal with it? Well, you know, it's amazing, Lisa, because I I was saying to uh, a friend over the weekend that every client, every person I've seen since the election, you know, they're coming in for other reasons, but every single person talks about what's going on with our president, with the cabinet, with the country, with the marches. 
we, we already had incredibly high stress rates, and now they're higher. You know, our, our, our political climate that's emph- has emphasized so much on aggression, insults, la- lying, and lack of integrity, to me, it's symbolic of the de-emphasis of the importance of character and empathy that's currently dominating uh, our, our elected officials, the corporate world, and it's had a profound influence on our society. What can we do about it? I think the people that are marching, the people that want their voices heard, people that have come out of the woodwork that are, that are speaking out against prejudice, which is one of the most important things to me. You know, I, I've worked my whole career to defeat prejudices of all sorts. And I think just more people are speaking up because they realize, you know, we, we kind of took our democracy for granted, and it's not something that we no longer can. I mean, we're, we're kind of beginning to suffer like some of the other countries around the world have all, for many years. And we're starting to realize that unless we speak, and even even in small ways, you know, when you're in a group of of, of people and someone makes a remark that is that is uh, demeaning another culture, another race, another religion, we have to speak up, not in aggression, but speak up in in a tactful way. Try to find out where did your ideas come from. You know, I was so happy uh, that my publisher allowed me to write a chapter on prejudice and. Uh, if you look at that, um, like there's 12 statements in that chapter on college-educated people about things they came to believe early in life that they have to unlearn. And, you know, one of the statements was uh, I, w- I was meeting with a CFO who, and my window was open in the summer, and for some reason we were talking about athletics or some he had had uh, lunch with one of the Patriots or something, and he mentioned that and a dog was barking, and he said to me, oh, you know, black people, uh, dogs don't like black people. They don't like to be around black people. And I said, really? I had never heard that. And he goes, oh, it's something about the smell. I said, well, how did you learn that? And he said, well, there was a black family on the corner of our street, and my mother said, don't ever take the dogs down there. The dogs don't like black people. They don't like to be around black people. And I said to him, "Um, did you ever take the dogs down there? He said, no. And I said, have you ever been with your dogs in the presence of a black person? He said, no. Now you're making me feel silly. I said, I'm not trying to make you feel silly, but I'm trying to make you understand that we all learn things early in life that have no basis in fact. I said, I have an uncle who's black, and we call him the dog whisperer. He has two dogs, and he trained our two dogs, and dogs seem to take to him immediately, and I've never noticed any smell. But, you know, it was just a poignant example to me of what's going on in the country now that we reach, we have these ideas that are based on nothing but myth or some Internet uh, quip that comes that we hear about quickly from uh, a website that we haven't even examined for how credible it is and i think this has been building in our country for some time you know we our empathy rates have decreased by 40% narcissism is up prejudice has increased trust has decreased you know americans have fewer friends today than they had 15 and 20 years ago so i think all these factors are affecting us but i hope that people won't lose hope I hope that we'll stand up in the face of prejudice and also we'll slow down and use our empathy to discern the facts. When we hear things on the news every morning, don't automatically assume that it's accurate. Wait, read, take your time, talk to people who you respect, who you, who you know. Um, also look at these materials and have discussions. I've learned more about people in, since this election than I have in years because it, it really has brought people out of the woodwork in terms of their views and values. 
It's so true. And I was very fortunate enough, like you, I live in the Boston area, and I was able to go march in the, the Women's March in Boston. And I have to be honest, it was I was really terrified to go. I was very scared of the whole mob mentality and would there yeah. be, you know, violence and I almost didn't go, but thank God I did because I think I saw people at their best. You know, there was so much yeah. kindness and there were so many different causes and there were so many different people of all shapes and sizes and colors and it was it was like a beautiful tapestry of of people and honestly yeah. it was so uplifting and I felt like this is bringing out the best so I'm, I'm hopeful that we will wake up and say this is our time you know to bring yeah. out our best yes yes uh, well I, I think from movements like this comes strategies comes change and I'm sure when you were there at least I would assume your brain chemistry was changing because you felt the, su- the, the support and the trust of others for a common cause and I think we need to do this more and more and, and, we, and realize that, you know, we have a voice. We all have a voice. So what are some, like, real specific tips that you can give our listeners just, you know, to deal with this stress right now? I know you mentioned that you might not be reading certain things, but let's give them some really, some really easy steps to follow because I think it is a little overwhelming right now. Yeah, it's definitely overwhelming. I think that, you know, when you encounter someone that thinks very differently than you, ask open-ended questions. And, and, and if you ask questions with a real curiosity, you learn a lot more about people's views and maybe they learn about yours. Don't try to walk away from people just because they think differently or they say something that you don't agree with. I mean, we have to have dialogue. And open-ended questions, slowing down and asking open-ended questions is very important. Because open-ended questions puts preoccupations aside and expresses true interest in another person's perspective. You know, it's sort of like uh, instead of uh, asking your teenage daughter, honey, do you really think your date was cute? You might, you might ask, how was your evening with your new date? You know, one, one, one question was really a statement, and people sense when we're making statements trying to use a question to hide what we really think. But when you're really curious about what other people think, they're more likely to talk to you. And, you know, people have asked me, how do you sit with people who are voting for Trump or voting for Clinton? You know, I sit with them because I can ask them questions and try to tease out whether they're basing their decisions on truth or fabrication. And I think that's what, that's what dialogue does. So don't be afraid of encountering other people. You know, look, the majority of people in this country, I think, are open-minded, not closed-minded. I, I, you know, I don't think most people use black and white thinking. I think we're, we're Americans and we want to be open to all people. So try not to lose hope in that, that possibility. But we have to engage people that think differently than us. And we have to find out how come they think differently than us. And in order to do that, you can't yell and scream at people. I think that's why these marches were so important, Lisa. Look, the marches in this country and all throughout the world, there was not one recorded act of violence. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. There was no violence because people were trying to understand and regroup and trying to form a a community that they could believe in again. And that's part of what we are able to do and what I hope people will continue to do. I hope so, too. And so we ask open-ended questions. But once we feel that stress in our bodies, how can we, what are some ways that we can alleviate the stress? Maybe using those CBT techniques or the empathic CBT? 
Well, there's a chapter in the book on how we talk to ourselves, and that's very important because when we're feeling stress, we produce a little cortisol. It'll last for about 90 seconds, a minute and a half. But it will dissipate if we don't say another negative thing to ourselves. And that's where we have to learn to perceive accurately. And I think the most important thing for your listeners to know is perception is the key to having stress or reducing it. So you feel stress because you're next to someone who is, uh, you know, expressing a view that you find distasteful. Okay. But if you start saying negative things to yourself about the, or the other person, you're going to release more cortisol. Try, try, to, try to limit the self-talk that's negative. Try to engage in a, a realistic conversation. Or if the person is too aggressive and insulting, de-invest and move away. You know, you can tell pretty easily our nervous systems talk to each other, who we can talk to and who we can't. And if someone is closed-minded and they're very black and white, then you're better off de-investing rather than arguing and adding more cortisol to your system and also paying attention to any negative views that you have of yourself. You know, we all have these old tapes that come from years ago, and we have to recognize when to press the stop button and stop continuing in a negative cycle. And we know the kind of typical negative things we say to ourselves. So we have to try to limit that. And when other people are irrational and and the anger or the voices start to accentuate and go up, you know, empathy goes out the window in a hot environment or a cold environment. And once you know that, once you have enough awareness from that, you know whether to engage or disengage. Okay, so just to, let me just see if I've got this right. So if someone is bothering us and stressing us, we disengage with them before it gets heated and before we release too much cortisol. And if we are bothering ourselves, we have to rewrite our tapes. We have to take a look inside, give ourselves some compassion, and, and take a look at our story where it's coming from. Is that right? I just want to make sure I'm getting it right. No, that, that's exactly right, Lisa, because if we enter into an argument with somebody that we know is, is contentious and they're angry, that's our problem. It's no longer his or her problem. Well, why are we entering into it when we know that we're only going to add to this anger and to the stress response? Why not walk away or why not say, look, let's, let's have this discussion when you're calmer. Or let's not talk about this right now. We're out to dinner and you're, you're, you're raising your voice in a restaurant. So you have to know when to disengage. But if you're prideful or you have to be right, then you can't disengage. You want to fight. And if you want to fight, the issue is yours. There's something wrong with the way you're relating and it comes from your history. It's no longer the other person's problem. You don't have to, you don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. I love that quote. Why is it that family events tend to bring out the worst in people? Well, you know, family, I, I, I like to say around the holidays, we return to the scene of the crime. You know, <laughs> what's, what's ever unresolved in us, it's harder with our family. It's a lot easier when you start off new with someone. I mean, one of my clients was, was flying home to Michigan, and she got in an argument with her sister and then her mother, and she said, you know what's amazing? I sat next to a man on the way back from Michigan on, a, on the plane to Logan, and he made the exact same comments that my sister made, and I wasn't angry with him at all. I said, yeah, well, he's not your sister. You have no history with him. Right. And why? Because she has a history with a sister who doesn't listen well. Now, she could listen to a stranger have the same views, but what she realized, it's the history. It's the unresolved history that has never been looked at very carefully and worked through. And so... Do you recommend resolving those histories with every family member? 
If you can, if you can, but look, we all have to accept that, you know, you can't resolve everything with everyone. I mean, maybe you have a mother, father, a sibling who you can resolve things with, but maybe you don't. And then you have to grieve the loss of that possibility. One of my clients' mother died last week, and uh, she, she was very, very difficult most of her life. And he said, you know, I realize I'm grieving, not for my mother, but for the mother I never had. And, and I understood that because he had come to accept the fact that his mother couldn't give him that kind of love. She couldn't have those kind of conversations with his mother. She just was dogmatic and refused to go there. So he had to accept it. But his grieving was not for the mother that he actually lost. It was for the mother he never had. I'm sure many people can relate to that one. Um, Arthur, we're running out of time. I want you to let our listeners know how can they learn more about you and your book? Where can they find you? Well, my website is balanceyoursuccess.com. You can see the book there. You can see uh, TV interviews I've done there, blogs that I have written there that I will continue to write. Um, and uh, on Facebook, I have the Goodness uh, and Emp- Empathy and Goodness Project that you can join. Um, but, I'm also, but I also write consistently on my website, balanceyoursuccess.com, and you can order the book there if you're interested in that as well. Well, Arthur, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Well, thank you very much, Leisha. I appreciate it. Great. So, listeners, what a great conversation today. This is Lisa Lutan. Please visit me at www.healthyhappyandhip.com. I'd love for you to drop me a note, tell me what's going on, give me feedback on the show, let me know some guests you'd like to hear, or just say hello. Hope you have a beautiful day and take care. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode on busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Did you get some great ideas from today's show? Join Lisa Lutan again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.